0: Welcome to the podcast, We Do Recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about addiction, but more importantly, about recovery.
1: We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like.
0: Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center
2: and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn.
0: What up, what up, what up? This is your host, Jared Miller. You're listening to episode 008 of We Do Recover. Today, I'm joined by your co-host, Dr. Terry Sellers. Whoa. We got our producer, the man that makes this whole thing possible, Sean Denovan. Babyface Sean. Yeah. And we have the owner, your featured guest of Renaissance Ranch, Taz Decker. This Thank podcast you. is recorded in sunny St. George, Utah. Episode 008 is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. Listen to me. If you or a loved one needs help, stop procrastinating. Give them a call. They can find treatment for you. Dr. Sellers, last week you said you had a golf game. How'd that golf game go? Uh,
1: Well, I had a lot of fun. I played with our featured guest, Taz Decker, who I don't know if you've ever met Taz. We're going to introduce him today, but Taz is a big guy. He hits the ball a long, long, long ways, and it's hard to compete against somebody that hits it that far, but we held our own. I had a good time, played fairly well weather was actually pretty good for st george last week it was not nearly as hot last uh,
0: friday as it was previous to that so we had a fun time it was really fun listen i can believe that he crushes the ball oh, on the geez. golf course because i play on a softball team he asked me to play me and my girlfriend mandy to play on a softball team and literally every time he gets up to bat everybody's like okay taz keep it in the park this time <laughs> stop hitting it over the fence we don't want an out we want you to get on base right because the dude just he yeah. crushes it. Well, he's a
1: he's a bigger man than a lot of people. Let's bring
2: sure.
0: him in. Let's get him in the mix.
2: Taz, Taz let's go Decker. Hard. That's flattering. I I don't hit a lot of home runs. It's that's not true. That um, but it feels good. People like to you know, yeah, give you compliments. Um, and golf, um, it's not about how far you can hit it. It's about, well, it's about putting and and. Terry had a pretty good day, and, and uh, I actually owe him. Here's, here's your four quarters. What?
0: <laughs> what? Did I, uh, did I owe you?
2: Mm, so
1: I think I won a dollar. Yeah, he did. I think I kept score, though, so it always helps to keep score because then you know you win every time. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, I paid, paid. up.
2: I, I, had to, I had to do some I had to inventory, some character defects after that round.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I like it. Sean Denovan. Hey, so... You, you mentioned last week that you shaved in your baby face. That's why, yeah, I, Terry. Yeah. what is, You're back to like a scruff, man. What's going on? It's all gray scruff.
1: Terry, what's that like to have talk gray to, hair all the time? Talk I mean, to me about gray scruff. I mean, you're used to being old. Yes, I, mean, I am very I'm used there. to it. What, what happens next? Well, not, not, <laughs> then your gray stuff starts to fall out. That's the problem. Ah. You not only have gray stuff, but then you don't even have gray stuff, so. Well, I mean, I started on my chin, and then worked my way up its cheeks. Now I'm finding it other places on the head. Actually, all over. I'm sad now. Let's uh, be careful where you're going with that. They say gray shows wisdom. Like my ears. So. Oh, man. That's horrible. That, hey, you asked, man. <laughs> when you
0: you gotta... want me to be a part of it? I'll contribute. <laughs> this is how it works.
1: When you got to start plucking ear hairs, you know you've you've made it to old. You know, gray hair is distinguished. Ear hair is not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Good point. That's a good point. Well, hey, what are we doing today? We got Taz Decker. Who is our featured guest and uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently this week than we have in the past Just kind of changing it up trying to see uh, a format that that we love and you know This is a grand experiment and we're having a lot of fun with it and I hope the audience Those of you who are listening enjoy this as well But in the past what we've always done is we have had in the first segment We started with what life is like for our guest right now and then we go back in the second segment and talk about um you know how they uh, got to where they are now like their journey of re- uh, how they got into recovery and i th- i think we did that format to highlight right up front kind of the great things that are going on and um I like that format. Some other people had some uh, critiques about that and kind of wanted to see us change that up and we're going to try a different format today and see how this goes. So today, what we're going to start with is, uh, your story, like how you, um, maybe a little bit about how you got started using drugs and what that was like, and then take us up to, and we can just start, uh, well, first of all, before I do that, I have to do this part. I just want to know right now, not all the great things you're doing, but just tell me a little bit about Taz right now. Like what, what do you do for a living? Who are you? Tell me a little bit about your family, that stuff. And we'll get back to that. I promise. But I just want a quick two minute of, tell me Taz, tell me Taz Decker. Did I call you Taz Murray at one point? I I I have a good (laughs) friend named Taz Murray. And if I accidentally call you that, then I'm sorry, but Taz Decker.
2: Future forgiveness. Yeah,
1: he's also a football player for BYU. But yeah.
2: So my name is Taz Decker. Uh, grew up here from Saint George. Okay. Um, and I've been married of uh, eighteen years. Wow. Um. Yeah.
0: Very the, nice. Through the grace. Yeah, for of, sure. Uh,
2: of our good Lord, and miracles, and a lot of forgiveness. Uh, a lot of work. A lot of work. Uh, we have three daughters. Mm. Um. 14, 12, and seven. You want to give him a shout out. Jovi is seven. She's amazing. Um, she's she's just one of a kind. She's full of energy and she challenges you. And she's beautiful and smart and yeah. Um, Presley is uh, our enthusiast. She's enthusiastic. She's my little buddy. She go, she goes on motorcycle rides with me. She likes to go fishing. She likes to you know do those those, those things and outdoors and always up for an adventure and. And uh, you know the, you're gonna get the res- the response of, uh, "Hey, Pressy, how was how was volleyball last night?" And he's like, "Oh, it's the best thing ever, right?" And that's that's a daily thing. That's <laughs> a daily that. response for I her. So, uh, and then our oldest is Leah. She's a steady she's steady rudder man. She's an old soul, um, and and just a really good kid, straight A's, um, and is playing volleyball. Uh, for she's a freshman at Dixie High School. Sweet. So you're a blessed dude, buddy. Um, so Renaissance, I, uh, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And when I can stay in gratitude, I, I have awareness of that blessing, those blessings and what they are. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Cause there's a lot, there's a lot of them. And, uh, so we, uh, um, moved back down here. I'll get more into that in 2014 to open Renaissance recovery outpatient treatment center. So, a little
1: awesome. bit a little bit about me. Awesome. Thank you. Now let's go back. Let's figure out how you got here. So, take it from uh maybe just a brief early stuff what was going on in your life growing up, that sort of stuff. And then move us start moving into how you got started using drugs or alcohol.
2: Yeah. Um I had a great childhood growing up. It was fun. I loved it i growing up here in St. George was, was amazing. And, um, you know, we explored Southern Utah. Uh, we play a lot of sports. My dad got us involved in in a lot of sports. Um, and he, he coached, he coached a lot of my teams, which was great. We had a good time. A lot of memories were created and a lot of time was spent, um, recreating and, and sporting. And, um, so. Do you have all good memories of that? Um, uh, The
1: reason I ask you, let me, uh, let me tell you why I ask you that. So my dad coached me growing up too. Uh, like almost everything I ever did. My dad was my coach. And there were times I resented that because my dad expected more out of me than he did sometimes out of the other kids on the team, which I think pushed me to be a better player. But I resented that sometimes. Did you ever feel that? Well, sure. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, your, your, parents going to push you a little bit further. Right. Right. Um, and you're going to uh, naturally push back, especially when you got ego. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> hey, and you're not, peeve, and, and hey, you one of my problems, you don't like to be told what to do. And, and so he's going to try to get the most out of you and, and you, you can, you know, you could potentially resent someone for that. But at the end of the day, yeah. Um, it's like, a, you know, a good sponsor does the same thing, but it, you know, you love that person because they 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 did, did, they did that for you but yeah. it wasn't no it wasn't always cuz sports are intense it's emotional no right? it's competitive yep right you're trying to win you know as much as you try to say it's about playing the game you're trying to win yeah yeah everybody
0: it, you're having a lot more fun when you're winning definitely so grew up playing sports very involved at that age figure. at that
2: age it was it was bad. but now you get into r- silver softball and We'll right. talk about a recovery strong team, but for the first three years, we were, you know, we just played, we just had, we had kids, we'd lost most of our games and just had a good time.
0: Yeah, so awesome. Can so ter- it can turn like?
2: it can turn into that. So, um, when I, when, uh, so vi- a vivid memory, when I look back, um, and I was in seventh grade, um, I had, and I didn't have a, a lot of, I didn't have any trauma, right? Per se. Right. But tr- there's, that's. There's a lot of different kinds, right? So, yeah. I I didn't have a good reason, let's say that. I didn't looking back. But I did feel in 7th grade, I remember I had a friend and we were in band together. And we talked about suicide. Heavy topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we joked around. It was a joke we were joking and we would talk say we're suicide brothers and if, you know, if we're going to go out, let's go out together. And you know, at the time I I, I didn't think anything of it. Right. I didn't even, I wasn't even, my awareness was so low that I didn't even, but now looking back, like, okay, there was something, something was there, I, depred, I didn't feel really comfortable in my skin. There's something going on. And it, I think more and more evidence of that is, um, later that year, 12 years old, I, I had my first drink. Ooh. Um, and how did that happen? So was a 12 year old drink, well, we have,
1: so I, I know the answer is there's a ton of answers to that. And I don't mean to. Sounds so crazy that a twelve year old would have a drink, but just tell me how you got exposed orally. To, well, okay, thank you. <laughs> that was a great answer. That was the best answer I've ever heard. But I love that Terry Sellers is here today. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um so, so totally my answer to I, that. I, exactly. I had some friends that uh, their dad, um, he he drank and he did con- built homes and he'd buy a cube or a case. The beginning of each day and um, at the end of the day, if he, if he had a few left over, we, ta- we could take some, hmm. one or two without him knowing, right? It just depended. And so we bu- built up, uh, there's three of us. We built up a stockpile. It was totally premeditated. Okay. But, <laughs> All right. <laughs> a couple knuckleheads. Right? And it was on a school night. But it sort of makes sense now. Yeah. It, to you know, me. Right. So it was on a school night, um, walked home, no consequence. Um, no one found out. Woke up, didn't wasn't sick. Um, went to school. You remember feeling anything from it? Oh, I remember, yes, yeah, sp- Sitting in, yeah, laying in my bed, and it just felt like it was sp- right spinning. Right. Um, and then was that spinning feeling good or bad? It was good. Okay, yeah, it's extremely right. warm and yeah. fuzzy. And okay, good. Wrapped in, right. was, yeah, one yeah. of the best nights sleep I'd had. Okay, ever. Awesome.
0: The midbrain had released <laughs> dopamine, right, Doctor Sellers? <laughs> That's what had happened. Yeah, for you know, sure.
2: But right. woke up and I said, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, I'm gonna do that again. Exactly. Okay. So, um, and that kind of played a, a big role in to a lot of my experience from there on out because, um, I got, I, I, I got away with a lot, right? I, I hid a lot. I, I concealed a lot. Um, and I, I, my identity was, was lost somewhere in all of that. And so high school is amazing. So I had great time in high school, a party in high school by time, by the time I was done with high school, I tried almost everything. Um, but I had had a, a what I consider, right. And I'm going into the right, my blind spots of what I didn't see. Um, because athletically I'd been successful Yeah, and I had been taught to put a lot of stock in that. And if that's good, everything else might be good. So I earned a a scholarship to play football at the university of Utah. Um, so it's safe
0: to say that your successes were big enough that they masked, some of the pain or the trauma or the underlying issues that you had that led you to have start to drink at 12, right?
2: So yeah, the external, what people see, right? Yes. The external unmanageability. Thank you. Yeah. Was not, not there for me. I couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. Right. And the really, I, you know, really wasn't, I got really lucky and never got in trouble and on um, paper and you know, my, um, my bottom was emotional spiritual, my relationships, you know, all, all that. And I did, you know, lost a lot. I lost, it's funny I say it. I don't lose a lot. Just myself. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah. said, you know, not much, but that's obviously like that's, that's right, quite a bit. So, so let's get
1: back to, um, so you got a scholarship. Did, did you have other offers? Yes. You, so you chose the, you out of the other offers. Yes. Um, is there any other choice? Ca- well, I mean, it's the I, university I, of Utah, baby. Listen, don't distract from what we're trying to do here. <laughs> Who do the Utes play this week again?
2: Uh, oh, shoot. They not so play anybody. I grew up I, I grew up a BYU fan. Really? I would have gone there okay. if they would have recruited me. Okay. But the Mighty Cougars were not interested in uh-huh. Taz Decker. They
1: were too cool. Yeah, sorry about that. I wish you would or gone. vice versa. <laughs> or well, vice no, or vice versa. I'll give you that. I'll give
2: uh, you that. Uh, so okay. it wasn't my path. Either listen, way, it wasn't
1: my path. L- listen, let's be honest. In the last twenty years, if you want to go to school at a football school, you go to Utah, not to BYU. But um, we're still fighting. Uh, Okay, so you get a scholarship. You head up to the U. Yes, I go on a mission first. Okay, where'd yeah. you go on a mission? Yeah. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. yeah, cool. Nice and yeah. Nice and dusty Tulsa.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then Arkansas and little broken arrow, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and had a great experience. Okay. Had stuff friends today. Um, yeah, without breaking any anonymity, a, a, a companion of mine just called me and just got into treatment this week. Oh, good. That's amazing. Um, and reached out and, uh, someone that I've been in contact with over the years. And, uh, just, just knew, just kept and just knew that eventually this day would happen and it happened this week. And it was one of, you know, one of my companions and, and, uh, we ended up going through the similar struggles and anyway, so, so, so good. Listen, I think that point needs to be reiterated.
1: This doesn't happen to kids that grow up underprivileged and that Who's, uh, you know, who didn't have anything to eat growing up. This happens to everybody. And it happens to people that come home from missions and it happens to, I mean, this disease doesn't dis dis doesn't wow. I can't come up with a word.
2: Discriminate. Thank you. you
1: Holy mackerel. Yeah. What happened to my brain? Yeah. Uh, this disease does not discriminate with how you grew up or what, who you are, what color you
2: are, or Is that what's on the back of my shirt. Uh,
1: let's, let's see the back
2: out. of your shirt. And the back of his on the shirt front, says, "Stand up straight."
1: Overdose does not discriminate. That's a true story, right there. Just trying trying so, to
2: find a camera. That was awkward. Yeah, I know. Sorry, <laughs> we got mics great. and all yeah.
1: kinds of stuff. And uh, I, I love that point though, because um, it sounds like you grew up in a fairly uh, LDS household, and obviously went on a mission. And my story is similar. I mean, I. I Except I didn't use in high school at all, but, um, but it's not, it doesn't, you don't have to have a bunch of back trauma. It can happen to people without trauma. You don't have to have a lack of religion. I mean, this, this happens to everybody and mission companions happen to come home and start using drugs sometimes. It happens.
2: So for me, I think a big bit, I, I try to find reasons as to the why, right? Okay. Um, And at the end of the day, I think it's just curiosity, right? I didn't have a big, a big reason as to, you know, excuse, like I said, so just curiosity. And I knew that when I, when I put it into my body, it felt good. And I, uh, you know, I appreciated that. And so I I pursue that relationship with drugs and alcohol. I think
1: that's plenty
2: of why
1: Right. people do search for why a lot. I did the same thing, but,
2: um, it felt great. How about instead I put my energy into solution? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. This is where I'm at today. Right. I know that I need help. There doesn't need to be a why. You're here. I'm here. Right. Let's let's talk about right. solution. It felt great is the why, though. Right. People, yeah, we're going to get to People don't that.
0: continue doing things that feel terrible. Yeah. I love that. And let's, let's get into that, the solution part. I really want to hear about, because you've shared your story with me. I want you to share it with all the listeners. I mean, you were a big-time recruit, went to the University of Utah, played tight end, right? I mean, you're... Tell us about that part of your life and what ultimately maybe the pressures or just the feeling good of substance
2: use. Let's get that. So I came back. My addiction was waiting for me. Okay. And I went to start playing football and there it's the scene, you know, and, and, uh, and I got caught up in it and, uh, failed my first drug test with the NCAA. Were Mm. you a junior, sophomore? Freshman. Oh, Wow okay yeah red shirt probably i think pretty sure it was red yeah
0: not cool but okay cool
2: i don't waste (laughs) much time (laughs) right right what are they what do they test for they don't Uh, test for alcohol and uh 2000, I don't
1: know. That was actually a question. <laughs> I don't know if they test for alcohol, I was asking, but. Yeah, I don't know what they you tested don't, for. You don't remember what you failed for.
2: Oh, it, uh, uh, What I failed for was THC. That's what I could not okay. successfully mask and get okay. out of my system. Because okay. I tried. Right. Right. Sure. Did all those tricks, right? Did you buy the fake. Buy the, fake, cle- fake f- the, buy stuff the clean pee that yeah. you drink and, yeah. you know, didn't, you know, so. Um, Filled my second one. That's a year suspension. First one slap on the wrist. Second one's year suspension. Oh. Um, and so now I'm, I can't practice. I can't oh. have access to resources and study hall and tutors and things that right, it, right you entitled you football players normally get. Well, yeah, you right. lost your
0: identity. You're no, no longer right. part
2: of it. So quickly fell into victim victim mode for sure. um, uh, from the get go and was priority in that place. And uh, filled my third and three strikes are out. So I went in and sat down, um, Ron McBride. Good guy. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. Told, gave me the news and, uh, man, it was, it was painful. Mm. It was painful. Mm. Uh, my school's being paid for my identity more importantly, right. Embarrassment all those things. And, um, I went into, yeah, it was a pretty dark, pretty, pretty dark place. And, you know, looking back now where I'm at today, they gave me every opportunity. I'm so thankful for, for that opportunity that, that they gave me, but I, I was in a victim mode for a long, long time of, um, do I am partying with all these other, and I'm on I'm the one that gets caught right. And trying to right. justify and just, it's just unhealthy, super unhealthy behavior. And it kept me sick and, uh, stayed in that dark place. Um, and during that, uh, little bit, a few, six months or so before that, I, um, married my, my, my wife. Um, so we met in the spring of 2001 and she was playing, uh, she was running track, jumping, uh, high jumping Super at the cool. U and, um, just smitten from day one, <laughs> um, by her and, and, uh, and her amazing spirit and, and an angel. And yeah, she's my best friend. So, um, we got married in 2002 and, and, um, but it it that was the start of some rough years yeah for for us using it still using it at that point yes what were you using um at that point whatever i get my hands on okay i mean i wasn't i wasn't discriminating really um against anything so um um i in times when i'd use meth heavily and, and oxy heavily and Xanax and and marijuana and and uh just kind of whatever i could hide you're right. that was kind of like my right you're right everything whatever I can hide.
1: You yeah. just, you just named a bunch of it for sure. So, um, yeah. Um, um, and how aware was your fiance soon to be wife of all of this? Where was she? How aware was she oh. that you were, um, maybe doing this kind of stuff? She wasn't aware. Did you hide it pretty well from yeah. her? Is that what you're saying? Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, she didn't know that. Yeah. She didn't know the details. Um, I had opened up early on that I, I was struggling and, with what and, um, and she, you know, supported me the best she could, but I, I I wasn't ready to be honest. So, yeah. So in the last
0: two minutes, paint us a picture of kind of what, what did
2: that look like for you? The
0: conversation and then the transition
2: with her. Yeah. It was ultimatum. Got you. You go to treatment or we're done. So she's, she finds out over time yeah yeah so you know you always think oh, if i get married i'll stay sober for that no right. didn't if i have a kid surely i'll stay sober for that kid and we have a you know second kid that maybe number two i'll stay. Sober, i'll love that kid enough you know <laughs> um none of that ever worked and and it was just you know really brief periods of sobriety um uh, uh, trying to attend fellowship meetings um and it just wasn't it just wasn't so she gave me uh, an ultimatum and the spring of 2009 Um, So go to treatment and it was the best amazing gift that I was ever, ever given. Um, And my parents helped and God helped and doors opened and it was uh, really, really where, where, where it started. And so that's uh, where'd you go to treatment Renaissance ranch? Well, there you have it. So I, I went through this program that, that, uh, I represent today and pa- obviously passionate, saved my life, passionate about it. Um, love this, love the staff there and met, met guys that were, uh, meant to be there when I was there and, and have deep, deep love and relationships with a lot of the guys I was in treatment with, um, and staying t- in touch with them. Thank you for sharing
0: that. You guys have been listening to part one of episode zero, zero, eight Featuring Taz Decker, the owner of Renaissance Ranch down here in southern Utah. Stay tuned for part two. In part two, we're going to get to his journey into recovery and what his life looks like today. Tune back in after this 30-second break. You are listening
1: to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after the short break with more of... We Do Recover with Jared Miller, brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn.
2: We welcome you back
1: to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers.
0: Hey, welcome back to part two, episode 008. We are featuring the owner of Renaissance Ranch down here in southern Utah, Taz Decker. Part one, he shared his story about what his addiction... Where it started. Yeah. The, the path. Beautiful. Part two, we're going to transition into his recovery and the successes that he's had today and what his recovery looks like today. But before that. I got something. Let's get it. Guess where I slept last night? Hilton Garden. Yes. Yes. I'm I
1: starting to, to, to catch on. Hilton Garden. I know. Eventually, if I ask this question enough, you'll get it. <laughs> Yes, I slept at the Hilton Garden Inn, and they were super kind. We called them at the very last minute, and they were really nice with the accommodations. I had actually tried to make some reservations uh, earlier. I am kind of a procrastinator, and I had tried to make some reservations that day for a couple of other places, and some places were sold out, and the Hilton Garden Inn happened to have a room available, and they got me right in, and, of course, the service was great. I slept like a baby, and please remember that it's always friendly and sunny at the Hilton Garden in Saint George, Utah.
2: Love those guys; they yeah. are awesome, They've aren't they? Good. They've yeah. been
1: good to me for sure.
0: So the cool thing about them too is if if like the Hilton's full, or they have the Holiday Inn, or they have the Hyatt, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like a three hotel partnership. Got, right. So they they can move some stuff around. They're amazing. They're even working, I think, on a fourth property. So that's a, yeah, they got some awesome. things
1: going. It's those guys great. They're awesome. Good for them.
0: We have a caller this week, Dr. Sellers. Again, that hotline is 801-410-0676. This is your guys' podcast. We just facilitate it. If you have any questions for the doctor, if you have any questions for the guest, if you want to hear me mumble and make some mistakes and try to answer questions, I'm cool with that too. <laughs> Give us a call, 801 410 six seven six I didn't even mess up the numbers this week. Nice job. We Boom. do
1: we do appreciate your questions, honestly. Let's
0: Thanks. get it. This is from Chris Connor from Towilla. Thank you for listening, Chris. Here we go. Hi. My name is Chris. I am from Towilla. This question is for you, Dr. Sellers. Um so I've been around a lot of people that use antidepressants. Some are great on them. Um what I've seen, some use multiple different kinds, and it still doesn't help. I've seen uh, people kill themselves on them. Uh, I've also researched that Utah is the leading nation in antidepressants. Um, why is this, and uh, why are we taking it if it does or does not help? Um, what is your professional opinion on the subject? And uh, I want to end it with God uh, is great. Thank you guys for all
1: your support and help. All right. Uh, well, I love that question because first of all, God is great. That's Absolutely. not a question. Amen. That's a great way to end it. Um, but yeah, let me let me give you a couple of little things about. He he mentioned a few things. He said he's got some friends that use antidepressants. Let's use a different word and say they take antidepressants, because in our world we use the word "use" as something completely different, right? Great point. I don't know very many people. Well, I. I don't know very many people that abuse antidepressants. Um actually welbutrin occasionally uh if you use enough of it can give you a little bit of something and so I've heard of a few people using welbutrin abusing welbutrin. Uh, I don't recommend it obviously on this show. Um but for the most part antidepressants are not abused they're used I mean they're taken not used really so Now, antidepressants are not foolproof. One thing we know is depression is for sure real. Depression for sure is a mental illness. Depression for sure is a brain disease. It's not something that people can will themselves out of. If they could, there's no way people would be laying around in bed not able to enjoy anything if they had any other choices that's not a choice somebody would make so it's a mental illness exactly like uh drug and alcohol abuse is a mental and brain disease as well we don't you don't just get to choose your way out of it if that's all you had to do people would be able to choose their way out of it every day and people just struggle to do that okay so now not every antidepressant is um works on every single person. One of the things we're finding out in newer research is that the enzymes that we use to metabolize antidepressants are subject to genetic modifications. And some people have genetic modifications such that they don't metabolize certain antidepressants the same way as the general population. And if you metabolize a medication way too quickly, it doesn't stay in your system very long and you won't get the effect it it, it's supposed to give you, right? So um, we have the ability to test for that now. And we can see that maybe 15% of the general population doesn't metabolize an antidepressant the same way that the rest of the population does. And so if we give you something that you metabolize too quickly, it won't work. If we give you something that you metabolize too slowly, it'll build up in your system and you will uh, wind up with a whole ton of side effects.
2: Hey, Doc, isn't there, so there's a gen, genetic test out there, right, that you there can take is. that will predict your metabolism rate, and based off of that, make recommendations or suggestions on what medications potentially would be best for you, Exactly. If it, whether it's an SSRI or SS... Uh, SNRI, it's you know? in all right. It's in all right, right? Or there's, you know different, right? Thanks. That's awesome. That' great. Perfect. So we've done that with some of our clients because, and, and I do a bunch of it. It's not by the time um, you by the time you take a medication for thirty days to try to figure out if it's working or not, right. you you might be done with with res. Right. And now you're getting out and you're trying something different because right. you don't think it's working. Right. Mm. So we can avoid that. It, it takes a bunch of
1: the guesswork out for sure which in the past it's always been that's what they do is they give you an antidepressant it takes three weeks for these things to work right you get three weeks down the road and sometimes it doesn't work and the the people who have an antidepressant that doesn't work think their doctor is an idiot the truth (laughs) is they just don't work in every single person you but if you can do the test and pinpoint which ones they metabolize normally you're way more likely to be able to find one that works for that patient The last thing I want to say on this subject, and there's a lot more we could do, but I don't want to spend the whole second segment on this. Um, He said he mentioned briefly in just a quick little quip that he's had some friends commit suicide on antidepressants. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget we're not giving antidepressants to people that aren't depressed. You're already in a high-risk population of people who are depressed, and nobody, almost nobody kills themselves when they're not depressed. And so, if you take and just sideline a whole group of people that are already depressed, yes, your suicide rates in that group are going to be higher than the general population to begin with. Now, occasionally, antidepressants can make a few people have more suicidal thoughts, but typically, those people aren't metabolizing that medication the right way. So i i think they're a useful tool i think that um we use them quite a bit his observation about utah being number one in the nation is true and i think part of that is societal pressures that we have in utah maybe that some other states don't have quite as much as we do um but uh yeah i think i think we use a lot of antidepressants in utah as well man
0: I, so a lot a of stuff question. to unpack in that
1: question you know sure. I think
0: a lot of people when they call in these questions maybe they're I they think they have to come up with some super detailed medical question for you that was a great question That's and great, great answer question. thank you for helping out Taz yeah. as well I mean yeah. that was that was awesome guys I'm lucky to be sitting here amongst some people that have some education know what they're talking about. <laughs>
2: Well, Terry, yeah. Terry throws me bones once in a while when I'm struggling. So you'd like to repay the favor. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Terry wasn't struggling. Hey. Thanks. No, no, no. I did. I appreciate that. Like <laughs> yeah. it
1: was a really good observation and it's true. Like I think when this will this testing, will catch on more and more. Yeah. Not everyone's doing it right now, but it's going to be very helpful to take in a little bit of the guesswork out of it. Out yeah treating people with mental illness maybe get you on the right thing a little bit quicker yeah for For sure sure. Chris,
0: thank you for calling in we appreciate that
1: thanks great question keep the questions coming all right let's go we need to get moving on i have an observation before we move on though and that was one of the things that taz had said earlier is one of the points i always try to make and that is in the midbrain when you start releasing that much dopamine from the use of drugs or alcohol, that, it, that the drugs or alcohol start to be tagged in your midbrain as survival, because as, your midbrain's job is to keep you alive. And so every time you use a drug or alcohol, your midbrain feels really good and thinks this is how I'm going to survive. If that's the case, then everything else in life is less important to your midbrain than survival. And therefore, when you say the point like, well, this kid's going to keep me sober. Well, this marriage is going to keep me sober. Well, this next kid will keep me sober. None of those things are more important to your midbrain than you continuing to survive. And so there isn't, people say all the time, oh, you ignored your wife and kids. That's not really what's going on. You're actually just trying to survive. And so, yeah, typically kids and wives and events like that, don't keep people sober it's got to be a little deeper than that so uh, excellent observation okay let's go we don't have as much time as i've just been yapping for way too long but let's transition you went to renaissance ranch okay that's a countdown good i'm
2: glad i got my so Oh <laughs> uh, checked in um and i i loved I, I had a good time in my first my first stint so I, i've been multiple times and um but really enjoyed uh, my, my first experience of treatment, Not, uh, meaning that, um, I just, I, I, I got some clarity and I started laughing, yeah, you know, mm. and I started connecting with, with other dudes in recovery mm. and being emotionally honest with them and feeling, I started feeling connection that I hadn't felt, um, in a really long time, that type of connection. Right.
0: Is it safe to say maybe the connections that you lost when you fell out of football? Because I know for football, for me, it was a huge identity. Right. And so nowadays when I get around Ian Raiders and Utahs and, and Dr. Sellers, I feel that camaraderie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it had been close to a decade, right? Before I probably really felt some connection. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. True point. So I was pretty lonely up until that point. So I you know, start coming out of that a little bit and I, but I struggled. I really struggled with sitting in the room with people that had been in jail. Cause I hadn't that. Yeah. Had lost their job because I, I had really hadn't done that. Right. Had lost their house. I hadn't done that. All you lost was your identity, though. And it talks about that, right? It talks about in, in in the big book or the twelve by twelve um, right. that young people are getting clean, getting sober in recovery, and they have, don't they can spare the last two two decades, ten you know ten to twenty years of misery, right? Yeah. Uh, um, by recognizing that. So I'm not like you, I'm not like you, I'm not like you. Right. I had a really hard time doing that and pointing fingers. And, and, uh, again, once I recognized that unmanageability for me was, was it, it was emotional, spiritual, um, mental, my relationships, physical, um, then some, you know, some, I, I was able to admit and, and ask for help and get some desperation. Um, so I stayed sober, did the sober living thing. Um, got out of residential, did sober living for, for a few months, moved back home, stayed sober for about nine months. And then I, I relapsed. Um, and I would say one of the, one of the things for me looking back on, um, this particular experience and what I learned from it is my disease dies in the daylight. Uh-huh. okay. So I went to res and I had a prescription for Xanax okay. and I had a refill, never refilled it. So the thought pops in. I wonder if you called, right? I'm like at eight mu- eight, around eight months. I wonder if you called if they'd refill that. Don't don't call, don't, right? But I didn't say anything right, to sure. anybody, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Sponsor, friend. Sure. You're, you're not going to call, but I'm just not going to
1: tell anybody that's still I'm
2: there. not. I'm, I've been sober for eight months. I'm solid. I'm right. good. Sure. You know? No reason to cancel it. So you let that thought fester. Because I'm not going to call. right? You let that thought fester. And right. I didn't have practice at. I hadn't, I haven't been in many experiences where I've been forced to play tapes forward in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this, it, uh, it could have ended a lot worse and it was pretty bad. And, um, it took me down a path of nine months uh, using and then back into residential, um, in, uh, the fall of 2010, um, almost, almost the exact same story. Got out relapsed, had about nine months. And then this was a short, this was a short relapse. And um, in 2000, 2011, I wasn't happy with it. I wasn't happy without it. And I just said, I'm miserable. I can't live like this anymore. Um, I got to get honest. Yeah. yeah. I need to find a solution. And so for the, one of the first times in me, for me, I, I got honest in July of 2011. Would you say that
0: was the birth of your recovery?
2: Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, went in the first time in 2009. So I've been getting up and falling down since <laughs> 2009. And I said, you know, at that point, uh, one thing I will always fight. I'll always get back up. I might not do this thing. Perfect. And I haven't, but I'll always continue to fight and I'll always, you know, continue to show up. And even when things are, even when things are hard and, you know, um, learn along the way. Um, so I finally found, finally now I'm on a path, right. Um, that feels, that, that feels solid, feels good. And fast forward to, um, as work, I worked for Marriott corporation for about 10 years Okay. and I had a feeling really strong feeling I wasn't going to be doing that much longer. And this was in 2013. And so I had a sponsor and I was talking to him and, and uh, he's like, what do you want to do? Sometimes
0: those are the hardest questions, right?
2: And I said, I don't think I'm going to be doing this much longer. He like, what do you want to do? Um, I said, well, I want, I want to help people. We had uh, we had started some meetings in, in Clearfield where we lived at the time and um, was really doing some 12-step work. And I just, that's where I felt on path. That's where I felt purpose. Um, that's where I felt invigorated. And so it's like, in that moment, I was like, I, I want to help people. And he's like, what do you think about treatment? Um, and I was like, oh, I love it love treatment, love recovery. He's like, no, as an occupation. And so he planted the seed and we worked on an idea together. It didn't end up working out. And, um, I was practicing my step 11 trying to, trying to get, you know, seek through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God, knowing what his will for me is. Um, do I pursue this path? And how do I carry that out? That's a pretty good guy to ask. Right? Yeah. 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 So I asked God, he has a good track record. Yeah. Right. Seems to do okay. Yeah. So I can trust him. <laughs> so anyway, um, through through that practice of prayer meditation and trying to find clarity and, uh, you know, I found that the universe always shows up. God yeah. always shows up, right? So he said, call Dave Pinniger. So, okay, I, re- I know Dave, uh, not super well. But anyway, Dave was the first Renaissance friend, um, affiliate in Idaho Falls. Okay. Okay. He's alumni. And anyway, so Dave was instrumental in helping me get St. George up and up and running. And in 2000, um, 2014, uh, we opened. That's amazing. Uh, I,
0: I want to ask you something real quick. I, I think a lot of times when we want to do something different, right? Or we want more out of our lives to reach out to somebody like I'm sure at the time you're reaching out to him, how do you start that conversation, right? Because I've gone to people that I have passion for, vision for. I, what did that conversation look like when you called him?
2: Um, he, well, if you know him, it, it's he's very similar to my 12... This is not going to sound good. He's very similar <laughs> to my 12-year-old daughter, who I explained is very enthusiastic. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Um, I, but I think you complimented your 12-year-old yeah, compliment. daughter, so I think okay. it's okay. It's, it's all good. You so,
1: didn't paint her as anything other than awesome. Just,
2: just genuine, heart of gold, enthusiastic, excited. I call him, and he's like, "Get up here now. You got to get up here. Come to Idaho Falls. Come stay with me for for a few days, and we'll show you how the th- how how we do this Renaissance, you know, outpatient thing." and And uh, we'll see if you like it, you know. And it's just, it's just, that's just how he rolls, right? So we go up there and I go up there and sit with him and and shadow him for a day. And we didn't really do much. He just has, he just, he's just having a good time. And we're just chat, you know, chatting. And, and, uh, anyway, um, just building that relationship. Yeah. So the conversation was very positive. I said, I don't know if, if, if I am what they're looking for as an affiliate owner. Mm. And he looked at me in the eye and he said, You're exactly what they're looking for. True. And I don't know if that was true or not, but he made me believe that mm-hmm. that was true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, and he breathed life into me and, and hope. Right. And like people are like, I don't know if I can say sober. I know you can. It's powerful. It's Very Thank
1: Heavens for the Dave Panickers of the world. Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he's one of the, well, one of, one of my uh, close, close friends and pillars. And yeah, so
0: yeah, that's awesome. So he he put you on this path of starting Renaissance Ranch. Mm-hmm. Was it a bam, success overnight? Tell us a little bit about what, you know, I'm sure there were some struggles in there. I'm sure that there was uh, some days that you thought to yourself, did I bite off more than I could chew? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, looking back, what do we got here? <laughs> um, five minutes. Five minutes. looking back, I had no business doing opening a treatment center. And when I say that, when I say that is I... At the time, I had less than three years sober. Okay. Right. And in my mind, that's someone who isn't qualified, right? So I'm dealing with my limiting beliefs from the get-go. Love that. Right? And, and I feel that the only reason why is I, I had a lot of help from people and, and from God um, to make it, make things happen. And, and, uh, and the more I, now six years in, I'm like, oh man. The more I'm, the longer I'm in it, the less I know. The less I realize that I know. <laughs> Do you understand <laughs> what what I'm saying? Sure. The stuff you're realizing that you didn't know
0: much, especially starting out. The like, longer you're in it,
2: right. I didn't know much <laughs> starting out, and I definitely don't know much. And you now. know even
1: less now. I know even less now. However, between you and God, you got a long sobriety record,
2: right? So add them up. That's a lot of sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it hasn't. Now it's it's been. It's Saint George has been so welcoming and so loving and so accepting and. Um, the community here is is uh, the recovery community is 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 thriving and it's um and in, in change over the last five years and it's gotten much I don't know much but it's improving it's better and uh, it's great it, it, people are are, uh, are getting getting uh, getting help and um we've been really lucky it's uh, the first couple of years are really good we opened a second location in in Las Vegas way cool um how many years down the road was that. Two years. So we, two years after we opened St. George, Way um, and that was open for two years and then we, we closed that down and we had, uh, I had some couple sober livings and a drug testing lab and a lot of, a lot of additional things on the, on the plate and the quality of life started to diminish your quality of life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt stretched and I felt thin. Um, and so we, we scaled everything back. And right now we just have Renaissance recovery in St. George. Um, and, and uh, you know, who knows? Looking back, pandemic, right? Maybe, yeah. you know, who knows what? Probably a blessing that, in disguise. That would have looked like.
1: Yeah, what are you guys doing during the pandemic? Tell me, what what is Renaissance Ranch today? What's going on there? What do you guys, what services
2: do you provide? So we are right now, we are still exclusively a telehealth. Okay. So we are doing everything. Not uncommon. Doing everything through, through zoom. So people, they have that option. Um, and it's just, I am IOP outpatient and intensive outpatient treatment. And we do male and female uh, adults and substance abuse, mental health. Uh, we have, uh, two different groups right now. So we're, we have four therapists are, I mean, fairly small operation about 20 clients um and it's that's kind of our sweet spot we we don't allow more than 12 clients in a group and we have two groups and so if those are full 24 is our our capacity and we feel that the quality of care is is uh good and and people are getting the attention that that they need and um so
0: i personally want to say taz i think it's
2: great that you did some self-reflection
0: realized hey instead of being a Jack of all trades, master of none, right? You really honed in on this is my bread and butter. This is what I'm good at. This is where I'm going to put my energy, my focus, and make it the best that I can make it. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome, dude. I got a lot of respect for that. Too
1: many. We've seen too many failures in this business of people who have some success and then decide they have to rule the entire world, Mm. like build these giant sort of conglomerates and then kind of stretch themselves too thin and can't do it. Yeah. And I think that's very, it's, it's hard to do because listen, um, treating treating addiction is a calling and a beautiful service, but it can go to your head occasionally if you don't stay grounded, if you don't stay humble. And if you start deciding you have to rule the world, all of a sudden now you got to have, instead of one place, you got to have five places. Instead of five, you got to have 20 instead of 20.
0: yeah, Like when is it enough? Yeah. yeah, well said. So you got a minute left, Taz Decker. Thank you so much for coming on our show, We Do Recover. Leave our listeners with some hope, man. There's some people out there listening to this that are in early recovery. Give them some hope.
2: You know, um, FFTs. Brene Brown has a new podcast called FFTs, and it sounds for freaking first times, but she says a different word. <laughs> um, and, it, you for know, a different word for time? Yeah. Okay. So we've been in this year has been. You know, freaking first times with a lot of different things. Right. And so, um, I think just being patient with ourselves is, is, is is huge. Um, and, and just being, you know, kind to kind to others, um, and just realizes, you know, we're learning as you know, we're learning as we go right thank you so we can much. do we can do hard things right we can we, we can absolutely do hard things
0: absolutely thank you again so much for coming on listeners taz decker like this, renaissance ranch follow this share this thank you remember it is your podcast see you next week episode 09. thank you thank you for joining us today on we do recover with jared miller help us spread our message of hope like comment and share If
1: you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page.
0: That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center
1: and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn.